Have you ever enjoyed the calm of nature? In fact, let's feel this together right now. Imagine you're standing on the edge of a vast, serene lake, surrounded by beautiful snow-topped mountains. The air is fresh, and there's peace all around and within you. You are fully present, feeling every breath. But then, a nagging disturbance. You feel the weight on your shoulders. You're carrying a heavy backpack filled with stuff you've forgotten. Stuff that you don't really need. It's making this beautiful moment heavy. So the question is, is it worth losing the peace? The heavy backpack you're carrying, filled with forgotten items, represent the financial baggage many of us accumulate over time. It's filled with credit card bills, subscription services we no longer use, impulse purchases, and financial commitments that don't truly align with our values. These burdens weigh us down, and they can steal precious moments of tranquility from our lives. So the question again, is it worth losing these moments of peace and serenity? I'm your host, Ashish Chabla. Welcome to another episode of Temperament by One Finance, where we explore emotions and biases and their effect on the way we handle our money. Our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions. Let me provide you with some insightful context. According to a report from Edelweiss Asset Management, there are around 14 crore active mutual fund folios in India held by approximately 3.5 crore individual investors. This indicates that, on average, each investor holds four mutual fund schemes, with an average SIP of around 3,000 rupees. Now, the point to be noted here is that around 67% of this capital find its way into the top 50 stocks. This implies that while individuals may diversify their investments across various schemes, the end result remains consistent. Their funds ultimately converge into the same pool of stocks. So the exercise of investing in multiple schemes leads to just one result. It adds to financial intricacy and clutter without offering any substantial additional benefits. Now, to provide further insights, as per RBI, credit card debt has skyrocketed to over 2 lakh crore rupees this year. One of the key drivers behind this surge, as reported by Economic Times, is the allure of earning reward points and freebies associated with credit cards. It has resulted in individuals owning multiple credit cards for various spending goals. The behavior has two repercussions. Firstly, it encourages impulsive purchases, leading us to spend on items we don't truly need. And secondly, juggling numerous cards adds unnecessary psychological stress and financial clutter. Even insurance can lead to financial mess, as most accumulate multiple insurance policies, increasing paperwork, payment complexities, coverage overlaps, and the need for ongoing management. Throughout this episode, I'll explore practical strategies for shedding this financial clutter, simplifying our financial lives, and finding true abundance in the process. I'll talk about budgeting, mindful spending, and investing with intention. I will also break down the psychological reasons of impulse buying and strategies of regulating our emotions, all with the goal of helping you reclaim those moments of calm and focus on what truly matters. Because just like that serene lake, your financial life can be a source of endless peace and beauty. My first guest on the show is Hansi Mehrotra, 
who serves on the advisory board of an asset management company. My opening question to her was around, what is financial minimalism? So I know the term minimalism. It sort of uh, comes more from the art and the interior design sort of world. Financial minimalism is just like any other minimalism, which is basically you focus on what adds value, what adds happiness. Clutter adds just to your mental stress. It doesn't achieve the outcome that you want. It adds more stress in terms of how to manage it, how to take control of it. Um, time is the most valuable commodity. And if you're spending more time than necessary on things that are not adding value to your life, I mean, it's, it's a waste. So as far as I understand, financial minimalism is trying to basically apply the concept of minimalism to your personal finance life. To grasp the concept of financial minimalism, it's helpful to start by understanding what it isn't. Financial minimalism isn't about squeezing every penny until it screams. You can still enjoy life's pleasures while practicing minimalism. It isn't about getting rid of everything you own. It's about having things that truly matter and eliminating clutter. You can still have possessions, just not an overwhelming amount of them. Financial minimalism encourages spending on experiences that bring joy and meaning to your life. It's about savoring quality over quantity, not depriving yourself. It is for anyone who wants to make mindful financial choices. It's not about how much you have. It's about how you use what you have wisely. While reducing debt is a good goal, you don't need to be debt-free to embrace minimalism. It's more about being intentional with your money, even if you're working to pay off debts. Financial minimalism is a mindset which can be liberating. It frees you from the constant pressure to buy and own more. It's about finding fulfillment in simplicity and purposeful spending. There's no strict rule book for financial minimalism. It's adaptable to your life and values. You can tailor it to fit your circumstances and goals. But if you're unsure about your true values and goals, you might easily be enticed by the next attractive thing that comes your way. This is precisely what happened to Rahul Nainwal. Before I delve into Hansi's prudent financial strategies for mindful spending, let me play my conversation with Rahul for you, who dedicated the past two decades to social sector but made a few missteps in his personal finances. The shiny thing that Rahul got attracted to was the credit card. When I was working in this company in Bombay, somebody came and offered us a credit card. So in the very beginning, it was standard chartered and NCT back, you know. It was such a pride thing to tell people that you have two credit cards there. So it was this. And um, then maybe ICIC Bank, a few cards from ICIC Bank. Then I got a range of cards from MX. You know, this MX card used to come out with this lounge excess. You would, you know, when we started flying, and my generation started flying very late, maybe 2004 or so. And MX maybe came maybe 2007. I don't really I remember exactly when. So I started getting MX card. Then um, Kotak and so any bank that would offer a card, uh, I would end up, you know, taking a card and say, okay, what does it We'll just keep it. And then you would also sometimes, you know, in the machine doesn't work, you will give them another card and that card works. But the challenge with all of this, you know, which a lot of people realize that you can't keep track of when the payments are due. And you then end up spending a lot of money on just paying, you know, late payment fines and, and all of that. So I also, you know, got rid of that. And with things like MX, it's actually a double whammy. So A, you have to pay a late fees. Plus, they are also these are also paid cards, right? They charge you five, seven thousand rupees, or you know, there's a membership fee for getting some of these cards, and and you don't use them well. Plus, 
everywhere you go, you can't, you know, these are not easily accepted. Those days in Mumbai, a very nice chain was set up. Uh, it is called Shopper Stock, you know, near Andhiri. And so we would go to this place and you could buy anything and you just give them the card and they have this machine with that, uh, you know, that carbon paper and do something and that's it. You don't have to pay anything. And then a statement will come and then it'll say, pay this minimum like 327 rupees or 400 rupees and you pay it and it, it works. It is only towards the end of this whole one year I realized that I have to now pay them actually twice my salary because A, I have not been clearing my dues. Second, the interest rates have been, you know, kind of piling up. And I had no clue that, that what a credit card is and why, uh, you know, why they have so much of interest rates. I had no idea there is an interest rate. So then came a point where I said, man, I have too many cards and this is going nowhere. I'm paying more fees. I'm not even using them. So let me just like get rid of them. So there you have it. The irresistible pull of the next shiny thing. It glitters and gleams, calling us with promises of happiness, convenience and the secret belief that this item, whatever it may be, will finally complete our existence. It's a potent cocktail of desire, of social pressure, clever marketing and our innate human nature. And before we know it, we are swiping that credit card or clicking subscribe with a smile, blissfully unaware that we may not have needed it, but we sure wanted it. The question is, why do we do it? Why do we succumb to the charms often without a second thought? To answer this question, we need to delve into the complex web of human psychology that drives our behavior. And I invited just the right guest to solve this dilemma for us. Siddharth Warrior is a neurologist and a practitioner in a hospital in Mumbai. I asked him a very simple question. Why do most of us struggle to embrace financial minimalism? What is interesting is that uh, when you are describing minimalism and balance, you are actually describing two different parts of the brain in conflict with each other and trying to resolve their differences. Because uh, in the brain, there is an old part called as the limbic system which believes in survival and it is responsible for keeping us all safe and sound. That part is the one that tells us that if there is danger, just run away. If there's something that you want, just go after it. Uh, the, this is the part that makes us buy more even when we don't need it. And the evolved part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, that is the one that is responsible for rational thinking, logical thinking. But unfortunately, whenever the limbic system is very active, the prefrontal cortex gets overwhelmed. So it loses its veto power. It can no longer say no. And this is the essence of all irrational behaviors. This is also the essence of uh, addiction. This is the essence of um, extreme emotional outbursts. So when we started talking about financial minimalism, but we are actually discussing something much broader, which is emotional regulation. So the limbic system has two main motivations. And I think of it as push and pull. The things that give us pleasure will pull us towards them. And the things that we are afraid of will push us away. So at any given point of time in the day, you will find that there are at least, there's at least one thing that is pushing you and one thing that is pulling you. You go to work because you like it, but you also go to work because you're afraid of not having money. At any given point, you, you want to hang out with your girlfriend because you like her, but you also want that because you're afraid of being alone. Now, at any given point, there's always a push and pull happening in the brain. 
And the same thing also happens in financial decisions. So understanding what is pushing you and what is pulling you gives us a lot of control over our own decision making. Mindful spending at its core is about understanding the true motivation behind your financial choices. It's a practice that prompts you to pause and reflect when you reach to that credit card. Are you making a decision driven by the emotional pull of the moment, guided by the impulsive limbic brain? Or is it a rational push rooted in the logical thinking of the prefrontal brain? One key thing to note here is that the pull and the push is highly personal to each, depending on one's own behaviors and contexts. Everybody wants to achieve different things um, and everybody starts off with different resources. So there is no one correct set of behaviors that is minimal. So buying a car, buying a Honda City could be extremely minimal for one family and could be grossly extravagant to another. Uh, so it's not the act itself that defines if somebody is being financially, uh, whether somebody is being frugal or minimal or extravagant. I think what what does define it is how much in control are they of their sudden whims. You see something, you want something. The problem happens when wanting something to getting something, there is no filter between these two actions. That is not minimal. I believe that true financial minimalism is having a filter between desire and action. Just having that filter of time, thought and mindfulness would, would differentiate what true minimalism is. Because nothing, it's not that you cannot or you should not buy something. Uh, I believe that what defines minimalism is how you do it. In what state of mind do you do it? And what are the risks that you are taking in order to do it? Recent discoveries in the fields of behavioral and neurofinance have shed light on a fundamental truth. Our financial choices are often driven more by our individual personalities and ingrained behaviors than by pure logic and rationality. In a sense, the emotional limbic system tends to prevail over the analytical prefrontal cortex. When assessing your own financial behavior, it's crucial to recognize that you may be taking decisions without consciously being aware of the reasons. At One Finance, experts in financial behavior have developed an innovative tool known as the Financial Behavior Score. With this, you can gain valuable insights into your financial decision-making and receive tailored advice on how to avoid being financially reckless. Now, it is quite clear from all the discussions I've had so far that our emotions often steer us towards choices that lead to unnecessary purchases or unwanted investments in policies, schemes and subscriptions that offer little financial gain. But here's the intriguing part. What if there are practical step-by-step -step strategies that could empower us to gain control over our emotions, bring clarity to our thoughts and revolutionize our financial well-being? Imagine reducing clutter in your financial life, paving the way for inner peace and tranquility while becoming truly intentional with your money. If this sounds like a tantalizing proposition, you won't want to miss the second part of this episode. Join me there and let's embark on a journey to transform the way you manage your finances. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted 
are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.